Well, hi everyone, I'm Lena Abijamra and I want to welcome you back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. You came at a great time where we're talking about uh, biblical truth for everyday life. I'm answering questions about life, faith, culture, and everything in between. Uh, the goal of the series we're in right now is uh, to provide hope for the Christian in a post-Christian world. So I'll be answering every week some questions that readers have sent to me and listeners have sent to me, and uh, I'll be answering them with three main points, uh, very much ER style. i tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a pediatric ER doctor by training. I now practice telemedicine and uh, uh, love the practice of medicine. And so one of the skills I've learned is to sort of cut through the chase. And so I'm going to take that skill and bring it to uh, what we do here uh, as it pertains to life and faith. And so uh, some of the questions that are given to me are very difficult, and uh, by God, God's grace, I'm going to try to make them simple for us uh, to be able to process and chew on. In fact, today's question is going to be interesting. We'll get to it in a minute. But before we do, let me uh, remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast and uh, you can leave a comment or a review and you can share it with your friends. We'd love for you to do that. You can find the podcast on iTunes. Also, you can email me your questions at dearlina, L-I-N-A, D-E-A-R-L-I-N-A at livingwithpower.org. Livingwithpower.org is the website for our ministry and where you can find a number of free resources that will encourage your walk with Christ. Hey, did I say to you how glad I am that you tuned in today? If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit you up with today's question. I hope you uh, are ready for it. And so I got this question in my inbox this week. Uh, Dear Lena, is the Bible still relevant and reliable today? Uh, very basic question and very much expected. I uh, uh, figured it was a matter of time before we got this question. And uh, frankly, uh, it's a question that needs to be answered early on in the podcast because we're talking about biblical truth for everyday life. And so if we're going to use the Bible to answer questions about life, faith, and everything in between, then we need to talk a little bit about its relevance and whether it's trustworthy or reliable. And uh, interesting facts, let me just give you a little bit of statistics before I hit you up with uh, some answers. Uh, Did you know that uh, uh, a third of regular church attendees read the Bible regularly? That's only 32% of Protestant Christians who go to church regularly uh, read the Bible. Um, A fourth of those uh, read it uh, a few times a week. Uh, Not every day, but a few times a week. That's pretty crazy. Uh, 24% of Americans believe the Bible is the literal word of God. Uh, The statistic was from a couple of years ago. 24% of Americans believe the Bible is the literal word of God. That means 75% of Americans do not believe that it is the literal word of God. Uh, That percent, by the way, has decreased from 40% of Americans who used to believe the Bible is the literal word of God in 1980. So in the span of 20 years, Uh, No, not 20 years, sorry, 40 years, uh, the number has uh, decreased substantially and we're trending downward. That is what makes this a post-Christian culture. We're now living in a culture where uh, people no longer uh, believe in the Judeo-Christian principles and and, uh, beliefs as uh, America's civic religion or ethical moorings. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, very much so today, people are biblically illiterate. They're unfamiliar with the Christian faith and the uh, Bible and the God of the Bible, more importantly, and they are indifferent or even angered by Christian doctrine. And so uh, we've started talking a little bit about that even in the last couple of weeks. And uh, here's another interesting statistic. Um, Only three-fourths of Christians believe that the Bible is indeed the Word of God. Three-fourths of Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Um, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I don't know what um, 
the rest of them believe, but but they don't. And so is the Bible still relevant and reliable today? Uh, I just want to give you three big ideas, and I, I sort of wrestled with how to answer this question. Number one, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a sort of uh, big picture thought process on on the Bible itself. Uh, so, so big point number one is the Bible continues to be reliable because the evidence has not changed, all right? People have made it uh, their career to write books and to uh, run apologetic seminars and classes and conferences and, and, and degrees at universities on this concept of is the Bible uh, re- reliable and why it is reliable. And so to, to, to naively think that we're gonna answer this question in a 15 minute podcast is just ridiculous. It's not gonna happen. There's tons of books on that and uh, uh, I'll have a, a couple of resources for you in the uh, podcast notes. Notes, but I want to give you sort of a sketch, some big picture uh, ideas on why the Bible continues to be reliable, and primarily because the evidence has not changed. There's been no new news that says, oh my gosh, for a hundred years we used to think this, and now we just found this out, and, and therefore our, our ideas about the Bible have changed. No, we have changed as people, but the Bible itself has not changed. The evidence has not changed. And so let me sort of divide up our thoughts into uh, external evidence and internal evidence, and a very common way of thinking through the evidence that the Bible is indeed reliable. So a point a 1A, if you want to mentally, you know, sort of draft an outline here, you can trust the Bible because of the external evidence, all right? There's external evidence that sort of supports um, uh, the fact that the Bible is indeed reliable. And so you say, what, what are some of those things? Well, uh, people talk about the preeminence of the Bible among literature. It is, um, it is, it is still the bestseller among all books ever written. Uh, There's the estimated numbers, about 107 copies of the Bible sold each minute, okay? So it's it's preeminent in its influence, uh, not just its influence, but in its circulation. Uh, The entire Bible is translated into more than 400 languages now. It has had portions of it translated into 2,500 languages. Uh, The distribution of the Bible is just crazy, Hi, I mean, the United Bible Societies report that their network of organizations has distributed 633 million portions of scripture throughout the world in the year 2000. The Gideons, who leave, used to leave Bibles in hotels when we used to go to hotels, in 2001, they placed and distributed 56 million copies of God's word worldwide. I mean, and nothing comes close to that. Um, again, that's estimated to be 107 copies a minute. Um, more books have been written about the Bible than any other subject, and more authors quote the Bible than any other source. Uh, it's preeminent among religious writings. It is, uh, it is preeminent, uh, but not just preeminent, but it has been preserved despite attack, all right? Uh, so we're talking about external evidence. Uh, probably the most famous critic of the Bible was Voltaire, the uh, French uh, writer who um, predicted, he lived in a house in uh, uh, Paris, and he predicted that uh, Christianity would be destroyed within 100 years of his lifetime, and that the only place you'd find a Bible would be in a museum. Uh, the irony, uh, as God would often work things out, instead Voltaire became, his home became um, a place, it actually was bought by the Geneva Bible Society and uses it as a printing press to print Bibles. So today, uh, the old Voltaire house that he um, made this prediction in is now a home where uh, the Bible is printed by the Geneva Bible Society. That's, that's pretty, that's, that's just irony. Um, man, besides Voltaire, so this one man can attack the Bible, okay, um, but there's um, a 
other uh, proof of preservation. And so you think about the manuscripts of the Bible. And so a lot of uh, people talk about, well, you know, how, uh, what is a manuscript? What well, is the ancient documents upon which scripture was written and first copied? And so just to give you some numbers, there are now more than 5,600 ancient manuscripts of the Greek New Testament, 5,600 ancient manuscripts. Um, add to that nearly 10,000 Latin manuscripts and 9,300 uh, other early versions. And we have almost 25,000 early manuscripts of the Bible. Um, that's pretty crazy. Next, after the Bible, when you think about ancient manuscripts, the next most commonly copied document, so manuscripts, again, so you copy the ancient manuscripts. The next most copied is the Homer's Iliad with 643 manuscripts. All of them were just partial. Okay, that's, that's, uh, that's a big imbalance. You know, you've got 643, the Homer's Iliad, and you've got 25,000, the ancient text of scripture. Um, the accuracy, people say, well, how do you know when they copied it that, that, that they kept uh, uh, from messing it up? Well, also some immense numbers. Uh, less than 1% of New Testament words are actually debated, even to this day, and none affect doctrines. Uh, uh, people talk about time gap um, between uh, the time when it was written and when it became um, uh, spread out, you know, the manuscripts became available. And so uh, the original writing between the, date, the time when they were written and then the time of the earliest copies of scripture. And so let me give you an example using Homer's Iliad. Again, we talked about the Iliad. It was written around 800 BC. The earliest copies of the Iliad we have are from 400 BC. It's 400 years later, we get the first um, copy of the Iliad after its original writing. Okay, compare that to the New Testament. It was completed, written by A.D. Um, 95. The earliest New Testament manuscripts uh, date from A.D. 125. That's only 35 years after it was written. Compare, again, Homer's Iliad, 400 years later. The New Testament, um, 125 to 95. What is that, 35 years? That's crazy. 30 years b between the original manuscript and then when it was... Um, uh, um, the earlier, uh, the earliest writings of the manuscripts after the original writings. That's pretty crazy. Uh, okay, all of these things, the, uh, the manuscripts, the accuracy, the time gap, all of these are, are pretty, you know, cool and, and interesting facts, but probably the biggest, you know, boom, you know, mic drop uh, probably happened in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, uh, those were 800 ancient documents found, including the entire copy of Isaiah um, that was a thousand years older than any other manuscript. And uh, those were found, I think it was a fisherman who was uh, basically uh, strolling in, in, in near the Dead Sea and, and through a rock, you know, in a cave, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, basically they ended up finding the, uh, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls um, just in 1947, uh, around the time when, uh, not long after my mom was born in that area of the, of the world. And so uh, kind of crazy because if, if all the other facts, uh, all the other external evidence couldn't prove that the Bible is God's word, then the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, sort, of, sort of put that, you know, nail in, in the coffin. Those are uh, very archaeologically sound. In fact, archaeology continues to rebuff revisionist critiques uh, that the Bible is uh, indeed um, a manuscript that can be trusted. Uh, but you can also trust the Bible because of its internal evidence. So we talked a little bit about the external evidence, but there's internal evidence. So what does that mean? And remember that the Bible is written, uh, it's a, a series of 66 books. It has 40 different authors. Authors' jobs and personalities range from shepherds to kings over a period of 1,500 years, and they agree 
consistently with the story, the theme, the purpose of the message. It is a book about Jesus. All of these authors over this amount of time preach one message, which is redemption of the world through um, uh, God becoming man, uh, whose name is Jesus, and who died on the cross to save the world uh, of sin. Those who put their faith in him are saved from uh, from the wrath of God and, and become um, part of God's family, adopted into God's family. And so that is the message of redemption. And so um, it's that's pretty awesome that over 1,500 years, the message has not changed. Uh, Jesus Christ is the message of the Bible. There's consistency in Scripture. People always, uh, you know, mention the contradictions in Scripture. There are actually not a lot of, uh, there are no, no contradictions in Scripture. In fact, people who talk about contradictions reveal ignorance about what's in the Bible. I mentioned about how many, that the Bible has more books written about it than any other book. So again, I won't waste time and well, I, I don't think we'd have time to go over uh, that. That might be a different, dear Lena, question. But basically, um, across the board, people have studied the contradictions and they're, they're not there. And their explanation for all said contradictions that are very uh, sound and, and accepted by um, uh, by uh, uh, by people over time. And so uh, all, here, here, here's a great internal evidence, fulfilled prophecy, um, 61 major prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, um, written hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus and all fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, uh, experiential evidence, people who read the Bible uh, find it gripping, comforting, convicting, and freeing, uh, uh, my life included to that list. Uh, but, you know, people always ask, well, how the Bible put together uh, an interesting point for you to read about would be the canonization of Scripture. Uh, how the Bible was put together is called the, the canon of Scripture is the group of books that became the Bible and a very um, uh, systematic way of doing that. And some of the criteria that um, you can find those things, I think Redeemer Church has a very nice list that I found. Um, this is a church in New York City that talks about uh, some of the six criteria used to, to put together the canon of scripture. Uh, the book must be written by an apostle, so it was an apostolic um, author. The um, uh, the, uh, the, it, the book must agree with the accepted and approved teachings of the church. It had to be orthodox, Christocentric, focused on Jesus, inspired. The book must have the qualities and characteristics of the divinely inspired word of God, the testimony of the Holy Spirit, and acceptance by the early church. And so just a series of criteria that groups um, uh, got together and, and, and groups of uh, church leaders got together and put together um, the, the books of the Bible. So there were some books that uh, were debated and, and not made as part of the canon of Scripture. And, of course, we have the Bible that is uh, this book of 66, um, uh, one book made up of 66 smaller books that is now uh, what the Bible is and has uh, been accepted over uh, centuries, really. And so uh, for people now in 2020 to question it um, is a little bit on the arrogant side when you consider the uh, uh, centuries of, of research and time and debate and uh, um, and agreement among people over what constitutes the Bible. So the Bible continues to be reliable because the evidence has not, has not changed. But here's another second big idea we're talking about. Is the Bible so relevant and reliable today? Number two, the Bible continues to be relevant because our needs have not changed. I think, uh, to me, this is more interesting. I know we spend a big amount of time talking a bit about sort of how the Bible got put together. And those facts, by the way, you can Google and find a ton of information on that. And I'm sure I'm going to get a ton of email on people saying, well, what about with this? What about that? Go ahead and email me. You know my email, dearlina at livingwithpower.org. But more interesting to me as a human, as a doctor, um, as an ER doctor, is this concept, which is the Bible is relevant because our needs have not changed. We need hope. 
We continue to need hope. We are a people who are looking for hope. We are a people who long for happiness. This is what makes up our soul. There is in us a desire to be satisfied and happy. That is not accidental. God has put that longing in us. Our needs have not changed. You look at humans from 2,000 years ago to now, from, from 5,000 years ago to now, you look at the Old Testament and what motivated and what pushed and the pains and the fears and the, and the wrestling that the people in the Old Testament have. And you see so many similarities. I've traveled. I grew up in Lebanon. I live in and moved to Green Bay. I live in Chicago. I mean, you look at humans. I've traveled all over the world. And I'm telling you, human hearts are the same. We're looking for essentially the same things. We need hope. We need happiness. And we need awakening. And so either um, we trust that God wrote a book or we do not. So uh, at the end of the day, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please to please God. This is in Hebrews 11. So the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that a Christian puts their faith in God and trusts. There's a point where you can get all the evidence in the world, but this awakening that happens in your soul is an awakening that is driven by the Holy Spirit of God. And so I pray that God will awaken your heart to, his, uh, to the knowledge of who he is. The goal of the Bible is not to be culturally relevant, but to change hearts. It's redemption. We've already said that. Uh, the goal of the Bible is not to fit it, to help us fit into the culture, but to save the culture. Uh, God it didn't write a book so that, uh, so that he would fit into the culture. He wasn't trying to, to mold himself into a culture that would accept him. No, he, Jesus never sought acceptance. In fact, by the end of his life, uh, he was rejected by even his closest disciples. And so his goal was not to, to fit in, but to save the culture. And so this is important. The Bible is relevant because of the evidence but the Bible also is relevant because our needs have not changed. And then thirdly, and lastly, the Bible continues to be challenging because our desires have not changed. Uh, this is not new that, that the Bible, you know, we're now living in a culture where, where people um, reject uh, everything Christian, but really um, um, uh, our, nothing has changed. Uh, people for centuries have fought the God of the Bible. They have, uh, again, I talked about when Jesus came and died, he was not popular by the time of his death. Even though we all love the series, The Chosen, uh, we're going to see as, as that series advances that there's a lot of tension that Jesus faces in his life. And, and most of this tension, if not all of this tension, is because we want to be God with a little g. Uh, we want to be God of our own universe. We want God to meet our needs. Uh, we, want, we want to judge scriptures. We want to judge God. We, we decide. This is what distinguishes a post-Christian culture is that people have put God on the dock. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis wrote a book called God on the Dock, and he talks about how we uh, are, have God on the dock and we're asking him, you know, we're judging whether we agree with what he's done or not. That is beyond arrogant. And so we want to be God with a little g. And so we are approve of God when he meets our needs and we reject God when he doesn't. So our desires have not changed. This has been a tension all through uh, the centuries. We want to choose and control our own happiness. We have made up our minds of what we think will make us happy. And as long as God meets those needs and as long as the Bible caves to what we want, then we're okay with it. Uh, uh, it's not about, um, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly in our lives about what's in it for me as opposed to what's best for me. And God's word is about what's best for me. Um, and, and we continue, our desires have not changed. We want to appease everyone. There is in us a people-pleasing desire for approval that has not changed. Um, listen, we do not get to choose what we want the Bible to say. Uh, we, uh, in, in 2020, we see this happening all the time where people want to be accepted and appeased by everyone, thinking that if we get accepted by everyone, then the message of the gospel would somehow become more palatable. But we're not giving people the truth when we do that. Listen, we do not get to choose what the Bible says. I can't wake up today and say, well, here's what I think he meant about this or that. 
that. There, there is a reason and there's a way and there's an intent. And God is the one who wrote this book. And God is the one who gets to decide those things. And ours is to try to submit to what it is that is there. Um, we don't make the Bible more relevant by changing what it says to appeal to everyone, but by submitting to what it says despite everyone. Can I say that again? We don't make the Bible more relevant by changing what it says in order to appeal to everyone, but by submitting to what it says despite everyone. And the Christians that stick out in my mind over uh, the last uh, decades have been people who have lived that way. They have uh, uh, stuck out in a culture where everybody's doing one thing and they have chosen to do uh, God's thing. And those are the people that have lived lives and written books and spoken words that have um, uh, influenced people, including myself, and that have continued to change the world. And so we have to decide, uh, is the Bible still relevant and reliable today? Yes, because the evidence has not changed. Um, our needs have not changed, but most importantly, our desires have not changed. Today, the question really comes down, boils down to, uh, will you submit your ways to God and, and his word? Or uh, will you adamantly continue to want to dictate to God what you want him to do? Uh, that's it. That's where faith comes in. Your faith believes um, that God is good and that God's plan is best. Um, that's what I have for you today, and uh, uh, I know this is probably one of the more challenging episodes. Uh, we will have some more practical stuff in the future, but again, I'm going to answer any question that you send me. Remember to send it at dearlena at livingwithpower.org. Hey, if you want straight-up Bible teaching, uh, join our Facebook community group. You can join it by going to livingwithpower.org, clicking on Join Our Community. As soon as you land on the landing page, you'll see it right at the top of the page. Uh, every Thursday, I'll teach live on the Facebook community community group. You can communicate with me. Um, you can um, grow as a community with us. We'd love to have you. Hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone. Um, click the like button. Um, leave a review even better. Have yourself an awesome, awesome week, and I'll catch you next time.